0: Good morning, Life Church. again. It really is uh, great to see you all, especially Big Jim up there in the front row, keeping us all safe. So thank you, Big Jim. Well, it is, uh, really is great uh, to be here uh, this morning. And as uh, Stephen said earlier, loving the Utah weather right now. This is, uh, this is beautiful. You know what? You guys all just sat down, and I'm going to have to ask you to stand up again. How's that for going up and down, right? I apologize for that. We're getting our exercise. Remember, anybody remember sit and be fit? Anybody remember that? Like uh, PBS, like late at night, you have sit and be fit. All right, that's great. Okay, then we're standing and be fit. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 13. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer. This time, it is out of the New Century Version. Uh, remember I said a couple of weeks ago, we're going to read from different versions. And the New Century Version, by the way, is written on about a third grade level. So if you've got youngsters uh, that need Bibles, the New Century Version is a fantastic version of the Bible, and feel free to get that. So we're going to together read the New Century Version. And remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we read out of a different version other than the King James, right? Uh, There were several of you afterwards who said, it was so weird reading the Lord's Prayer in a way that I hadn't memorized it. And uh, you had to really think about what you were saying, and that's a good thing, right? Don't get so familiar. We need to uh, kind of shake things up a little bit. So today, out of the New Century Version, Here we go. Our Father in heaven, may your name always be kept holy. May your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the food we need each day. Forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us and do not cause us to be tempted. But save us from the evil one. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours forever. Amen. Amen. And now you can be seated again. <laughs> so this week we're going to continue to slowly progress our way through uh, the Lord's Prayer. And at this rate we're going to be, it'll be Christmas time by the finish. time. We, no, we won't be that long. Um, But uh, really, I I want us to be able to dig into um, passages of Scripture and then especially ones that are uh, so familiar and important for us as a church. So important for us as the body of Christ, because as uh, the Luke version of the Lord's prayer, which is in Luke chapter 11, if you ever want to go there, you're welcome to, do, uh, welcome to go there anytime you would like. Um, but the, the context of it was the disciples were asking Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. They watch Jesus pray, and so teach us to pray. Matthew has it in a slightly different uh, place within the gospel. Uh, but the heart of this, though, is, is the same that there is a prayer that Jesus gives to us as a model for prayer, and there is so much to it. And it's really easy to just read it on the surface and and think we know what it means. And uh, I certainly have learned a ton uh, just in some of my studies that I've done here in the past few weeks. Um, And this week is no different. I was super challenged in studying for this this week. Uh, and uh, God really uh, really pushed some buttons in my own life uh, in this. So last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about our Father. By the way, last week, thank you to, uh, to Karen, to Shelly, and Natasha, who did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. How many of you were not able to keep your succulent alive for one week? Anybody not able to do that? So, I've got a problem with one of the ones that we have. So, uh. but, so last, or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our Father. And we realize that our Father is, that, that, that when Jesus was praying our Father, there was a two-pronged part to this. That our Father, uh, that there's intimacy. But also, our Father is revolutionary, right? That we're not, that that we have a God of action who doesn't just sit passively by, but when we pray our Father, there's an intimacy, a familiarity, and yet there is a revolution that's happening every time we pray that. And so when we pray, we have this assurance that we are communicating with a God who is powerful as well as near. And that's a wonderful tension to always keep in mind whenever we pray. And so the prayer of Jesus continues, we're confronted with a concept that may have lost a bit of, um, a bit of its hold upon our culture today, Um, a a bit of uh, continuity with the way that we think and the way that we act, right? And there's a concept here, and I want to read from a couple of different versions out of the uh, common English Bible, uphold the holiness of your name, is what this version says. Another one says, hallowed be your name, that's the ESV. Another one says, may your name be honored, N-E-T, and then may your name be kept holy. Out of the C-J-B, the complete Jewish Bible is what that one is, right? So this word that we see over and over again, this concept that we see here over and over again is this idea of holy, holy. Everybody say that word with me, holy, holy, right? When is the last time you used that word in a sentence? Besides holy cow, right? You know, right? So as we'll see today, this word is really vital for understanding what comes next in the rest of the Lord's Prayer. We're setting this foundation for the intimate revolutionary God, and then we find out something about who this God is, the, the character of this God. And that word is described as holy. So holy, uh, as a definition, is to be, to, to be set apart, Uh, to be separated from, to be consecrated. Um, And uh, actually, so President Lincoln, Lincoln in our our, uh, contemporary history for the United States, uh, President Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, and he uses this concept of holiness and consecration in a pretty unique way, And so I wanted to read to you the words of the Gettysburg Address, which uh, one of the shortest speeches given by a president in the history of speeches, right? Um, And uh, yeah, okay, I was going to say something, but I won't. Um, And uh, so we, this is what he says. He's standing on the battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. We are met on a great battlefield of that war, of the Civil War. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here, they have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. These words speak of sacrifice that was given for our nation that eventually led to slavery being abolished, that eventually led uh, to our nation being unified again, eventually led uh, really to a, uh, to a great season of growth within our nation and some point to the Gettysburg Address as a turning point within this great nation. And I love it that he speaks of consecration. He speaks of something that is so holy that the words that he was speaking there would fall so short of it. The actions that they were doing there could in no way reflect the true uh, consecration of the moment of what was happening there in Gettysburg. Now, in our culture, the sacred and profane have unfortunately been blended. We see this all around us. And the sacredness of so many things, has lost the value, have lost the respect of what they deserve. Um, And when confronted with the need to grow and recognizing that holiness is something that we must embrace, holiness is often met with resistance. It's met with hesitation. It's met with cries of, you can't control me and tell me what I should do, right? Because that's what holiness is. There are certain things that we should not do because we embrace holiness. So holiness is not easy, but that does not negate its value, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. So we're going to dig a little bit here and probably step on some toes, and that's okay. My toes during study time were incredibly stepped upon, and I struggled with this, uh, with this message so especially when it comes to our relationship with God, in the next few minutes, we're going to be wrestling with this idea of what holiness is, but we need to start on the God side of what holiness is. Especially what it means for God's name to be made holy and then how it affects us as well. Um, William Barclay, has a, uh, um, he's a scholar from a number of years ago, and this is what he put here. He said, so this petition, this petition to make God's name holy, uh, basically means let God's name be treated differently from all other names. Let God's name be given a position which is absolutely unique. How many of you have heard God's name used in vain in the past week? Lift your hand really quickly. Right? Look around real quick. Look around. God's name is to be kept holy. Right? So all around us, our culture has lost that fear and reverence. In Hebrew, the name of someone represents their character. Right? It represents a bit of who they are. And so names were taken very, very seriously in the Old Testament in, in particular and certainly in the New Testament as well. But if you go to the Old Testament, you, you find, uh, find names that were given to kings and to their children and their children's children. And those names were thought over and those names mean something. And it's no different than with the name of God. Uh, Psalm chapter 9 verse 10 says this, those who know your name put their trust in you. Those who know your name. And it's not just like a knowledge like, oh, I know that God's name is this. Like uh, Yahweh, perhaps, or Elohim, or whatever that name. I know that the name is there, so I'm going to put my trust in him. No, no, no. It's understanding and recognizing the character of who God is. Those are the ones who know his name that can put their trust in him. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some take pride in chariots and some in horses. Right now, back in the Old Testament times, that's uh, military power, that's authority, that's control. So some would take pride in their ability to control their surroundings. But our pride is in the name of the Lord, our God. When the struggles of the world are coming around, some would put their trust in chariots and horses. Some would put their trust in war. Some would put their trust in their ability to, uh, uh, to retaliate or whatever that might be. But it says here something very different happens when we know the name of the Lord. Something happens when we begin to recognize the character of who God is. So God's name means something. Something. And we could spend weeks unpacking the names of God. We're going to talk about just a handful of the names of God. We We could literally spend the next year dealing with the names of God as revealed in Scripture. And they are beautiful. And I encourage you, please, go study the names of God as found in the Bible. But I just want to go through a couple of them to help us understand that we are to make or to keep the name of God holy. So the name of God, remember, is the character of God. One name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Genesis 22, um, what we have in Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham who, has, uh, who is in the process of being obedient to God through taking his son up the mountain to potentially sacrifice his son. And that seems absurd to us, but there was this obedience on Abraham's side. And God in that moment provides the sacrifice, provides a ram. And Abraham calls out to God as God, our provider, a Jehovah, Jireh. God is a God who provides. Is there a need in your, raise your hand real quick, if you've got a need in your life. Anybody got a need in your life? We have a God whose character is the God who provides. And his name is to be kept holy. It is unlike any other name. And so our provision, if we look anywhere else for our provision, we're not making the name of God holy. If we look to ourselves, we look to a relationship, right? We, we look anywhere else, we're not making God's name holy. Another name of God, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals The God who heals. Uh, For this one in Judges, or I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 15, uh, Moses and the people had uh, made a series of, uh, of tragic uh, mistakes and decisions uh, where they were going and the people were grumbling and the water that was there was just bad water. <laughs> and so uh, uh, God asks uh, Moses to respond in a miraculous way and throws a branch into the water and the waters are miraculously healed so that they are now sweet water and able to be uh, drank by the people. God revealing himself as the God who heals and provides abundantly right? So the God who heals. How many of you need healing in your life in one way, shape, or form, physical? There's like a mental, emotional, relational healing, right? We all need that healing in our lives. If we look anywhere else other than God, we're not making his name holy. Now that's not to say that we can't get wisdom, right, from counselors and people that understand things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is ultimately our faith and trust and hope is found in God, in God alone. He is the one who heals us. The last one we're going to look at very quickly, uh, Jehovah Shalom, the God of Peace. I've watched on the news this past week, um, and as many of you probably have as well, at uh, what's happening in Israel, uh, the terrorists that are attacking and Israel responding to that, and it makes me pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? This is something that we are commanded to do, asked to do, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Jehovah Shalom is revealed as the God who is the God of peace, And this comes from a Gideon, Judges chapter 6. Gideon had seen the face of God, and he had basically responded, said, well, now I'm going to die, because in the Old Testament, that was a sense that if you saw the face of God, you would die. And what does God do? He doesn't say, you didn't see my face. He says, you will not die. And then uh, Gideon presents a place of sacrifice and calls it the God who is peace, Jehovah. Jehovah. Shalom. How many of you need peace in your own life, right? The struggles of this life are incredibly real, and we need our peace to be found in God, in God alone. So when it is prayed, Father, let your name be holy, or keep your name holy, or hallowed is your name. In essence, the prayer is, enable us to give you the unique place which your nature and character deserve and demand. So, God, you are Father, and your name is to be kept holy. And the way we do this is that we keep your name in a position that has no other name in our life. No other place in our life can take the place of the name of God. So, that's looking outward to the holiness of who God is. And there's obviously so much more that we could dig into. Um, But here is where I was challenged in... um, in this passage of the of the lord's prayer is it's not just a one-way street it's not just putting on god's shoulders and his shoulders alone god you keep your name holy god you do all of the work to keep your name holy this is your job god i was really challenged because that's not really what the lord's prayer reveals and the structure of the way that, this, that that shows up and, you know, Lord, keep your name holy or make your name holy or hallowed is your name. It's not just God's responsibility, but that prayer actually comes back to us. The way of the structure of it back in the original Greek and all this stuff, and not to get too deep with that, right? But the way it is structured reveals that there is a responsibility of those who are actually praying that, that we are to keep the name of God, holy. So how is God's name made holy by us? Real quick, how many of you have sinned ever in your life? All right, very, very good. Okay, so thus, we are unholy, (laughs) right? (laughs) We are unholy. Um, We can't. Right, make, We can't make God's name holy because we ourselves are unholy. So how does this work? It's simply by the way that we live our lives. We are to engage in living a holy life. It's more than macho libre. Go now so that sister and I can speak of holy things. <laughs> right? That's, it's way more than that. Because remember, holy is to be set apart. And so holiness then turns to our lives and what happens when we are holy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14. Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance, but like the holy one who called you, become holy yourselves. In all of your conduct, for it is written, You shall be holy, because I and he's talking about God, I am holy, and that's found in Leviticus. That quote is found in Leviticus. So we are to be holy. So we are to be separate from the world in which we live. There's there's an idea that we are separated from everything going on around us if we are holy, just like God's name is holy and unlike any other name. So if the world was over here, we're like, we are holy, we are separate, we are different from the world. We don't think like the world does. That's what holiness reveals for us. As followers of Christ we should not blend well with our culture. We shouldn't. We shouldn't blend. It is not a compliment, by the way. I was thinking about this. It is not a compliment for somebody after knowing you for five years says, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. That's a problem, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, that's a problem if we blend so well into culture that we become chameleon and nobody knows we exist. So we're to be separated from. We are to live the life of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit within us that makes us holy. So, as Christians, our lives should be different. Our dating life, if you're dating... Your dating life should be very different than the hookup culture that our world celebrates. Right? I mean, that's living the holy life set apart from not thinking like, not doing like, not being like this world around us. Our home life should reflect the presence of a holy God. The things that we let into our eyes, the media that we consume, the stuff that we laugh at should reflect a holy God. Pastor, you're saying that I can't have fun. Yes. (laughs) If the kind of fun brings glory to the world rather than God. Right? So, holiness we have to take seriously, and our culture has so devalued it. And as followers of Christ, we have oftentimes jumped hook, line, and sinker into the world around us. Our worldview must reflect the Bible rather than our society at large. That means there will be conflict points. It's going to happen. There's going to be conflict points. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know if you've seen the news reports of what happens up in Canada just recently, you know, a pastor arrested for having services and, you know, things like that. We know that the stresses and the problems and the struggles are only going to get more and more real. Are we willing to be holy? Um... Because we are are holy as God is holy. Our views reflect the Bible and we we adhere to those standards and not to the world's. When it comes to marriage, the Bible is clear. One man, one woman. That's it. That's it. There's no in between, (laughs) right? One man, one woman. That is the definition, biblically, of marriage. Did the Bible always get it right? When it comes to some of the examples, David, no. Solomon, no. Most of the kings of Israel, no. They didn't get it right. There's polygamy. There was all this stuff going on, right? But that original plan of God, we look back to the beginning, it was one man, one woman. That's where we go. That's where we find the standard by which we live. When it comes to the sanctity of life, where do we turn? We turn to the Word, and it reveals the sanctity of all human life. The question of when does life begin? I'm going to err on the side of conception, (laughs) right? Because there's so much in the Word that seems to reveal that God is in control and in charge of everything, could it not mean He's also in charge of the unborn? How do we live a holy life? What are the standards of what God speaks to us about through the Word? Um, When it comes to moral standards, we turn to the life of Christ and we reflect Him. We are heartbroken over the lost, and we seek to live in such a way as to show Jesus. And so, as Life Church, we are involved in our culture around us. We invite people on Thursdays to come be a part of what we believe is the blessing of God, right, by serving. I think we're somewhere around 200 to 250 families a week that we serve by giving out food. And we've got 25, 30 volunteers every single week. All right, we invite them onto our grounds, right, and we want to proclaim the love of Christ. But the question is, are we proclaiming the love of Christ in our neighborhoods, in our own homes, with our loved ones? Are we doing the same thing? And when confronted by the fact that living a holy life now can bring up conflict, can bring up struggles, do we want to blend rather than stand out? I believe God wants us to stand out. I really do. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther from the 1500s. He says, how is God's name hallowed among us? The answer is when both our life, so the way we live our lives, and our doctrine, what we believe, right? What what we say we believe and what we actually live, that those are truly Christian. That is to say, when our intellectual convictions and our practical actions are in full submission to the will of God. So this is the early protestant church breaking away from the catholic church in the 1500s trying to figure out what holiness looks like that these two things have to line up what we believe and what we say we believe and what we actually do even further back in around 400 a.d this guy by the name of john chrysostom he said god possesses in himself the fullness of all glory nevertheless He commands that we ask that he also be glorified in our lives. It's not just up to him. It's us giving room for God to be holy in our own lives. So, a little bit ago I just mentioned the world. Let's pretend the world is here and we are over here because we are separated from the world because this is holy and pure. And God has called us to all be monks and nuns right okay the problem is john chapter 17 listen to what jesus prays for his own followers and tell me what holiness means so jesus says i'm not asking he's praying to praying to the father father i'm not asking that you take them out of this world but God, you've asked us to be holy, which is separated from, not interacting with, and you know, the, this, this world that is so ungodly and so impure, Lord, I've got to keep myself free from that. Jesus says, no, 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 no. My prayer is not that you'll be taken out of this world. But he says, keep them safe in this world from the evil one. What's the prayer a little bit later on? This is why this foundation of holiness is so important. A little bit later on in the, in the Lord's prayer, he says, deliver us from the evil one right? So this is that same prayer. So keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world. Folks, this is not our final resting place. There is a world beyond that we do look forward to, okay? I'm excited about heaven, (laughs) but I'm not excited to go there too early because, yeah, we've got work to do. We have work to do. So they don't belong to this world just as I don't belong to this world. Make them holy in the truth. What's the truth? Your word is truth. How are we made holy? We gotta know the word. Folks, we have to know the word. Please, read the word. And when you're done reading it, read it again. We're done reading it, read it again because it is alive and active, right? It is growing within us every time. We see something new every time, and it's fantastic. So, anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. As you sent me into the world, as, as the Father sent Jesus into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I made myself holy on their behalf so that they also would be made holy in the truth. Jesus recognizes this tension in his prayer that we're living in a very difficult situation. But he says that the Father is working on our behalf to push the evil one away, to allow us to live holy lives in the midst of a world that's incredibly difficult. Jesus wants us in the world to represent him. And so we need to live holy, separated lives in the middle of this world that is filled with media culture that is trying to subvert the message of the gospel of Christ at every turn and sometimes we just take it in like it's nothing. So my prayer today is God help us to see the things that are holy. God help us to make a distinction between the things that are profane the things that are of this world. And God, help us to draw a line between those things so that when we live a holy life, it's not a holy life of bah humbug. It's not a holy life where there is, we're just sour on our face, right? As if holiness is this drudgery. Folks, holiness is the fullness of the joy of the Lord. Christians should be the happiest people on this planet it doesn't mean that we're like uh, uh, clueless to the fact that there's pain and struggle and difficulty and that like, oh, it's all gonna be okay, okay? That's not it at all, but there should be a joy deeply seated in our lives when we live a holy life because we are honoring and pleasing our holy, holy God. And so we pray, and this is what it's kind of like here as we break this down. Our Father, our intimate revolutionary God, make your name holy and help me to make your name holy by the way that I live my life today. Help me to reflect your character, this character of a God who provides, a God who heals, a God who brings peace. Help me to reflect your character in this challenging world. Let me be an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed to make the name of God holy. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet today. So here's the deal, and this is where it gets tough. And I'm going to ask you to do something that we haven't done here in a while. And that is, I'm going to tell you up front what I'm going to ask before you respond, because I want you to know this is not bait and switch, okay? Um, I am going to ask everybody who responds in just a moment to come forward. So I'm just laying that out there very, very clearly right now. I'm not going to make you feel guilty, right? I want you to know what what this is. Because I believe God takes our holiness incredibly seriously. So the challenge is, as the people of God, that we are to live holy lives. But do we? Are there areas of your life that you would say, God, I haven't kept your name holy because I haven't lived the revealed life of Jesus Christ? And you would say, Lord forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Help me to live a holy life. So if that's you, I'm going to invite you to just come down to the front. Just a moment to say, God, you see my heart. You know me anyway. I can't lie. (laughs) God, you know me anyway. And so God, help me to live a holy life that I don't always live the way that I know I should. If that's you, can you just come on down? I'm going to stand right up here <laughs> as well. Because, folks, I believe that God wants to do something incredible within the life of Life Church Utah. But, folks, it only happens when we take seriously the prayer that we are praying through the Lord's Prayer God, make your name holy. And so, in this moment, I know, I mean, we, we stand, we look around at, at each one of us, and we recognize, folks, we are all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would start something new within us here at Life Church. God, we long for your presence. And God, we long for your holiness. And God, that can scare us. God, it can seem overwhelming. But Jesus, as your prayer was in John chapter 17, God, you've already lived that holy life. And you're asking us to identify with that holy life through giving ourselves to Jesus. And so Jesus, we give ourselves to you. God, as a church, we repent. As a church, God, we, we, uh, we offer up to you and seek your forgiveness, God, for things that we have said, things that we have done, actions that we have been a part of, stuff we have laughed at, things that we've taken into our hearts and our minds, God, that are not holy, that are not pure, that are things that should be far from us, God. Whether it's obvious in pornography or it's more subtle in the humor that is in our culture today, God, help us to be holy. God, not follow a strict rules and guidelines and do's and don'ts, but God, let relationship guide us into holiness of Jesus Christ. And Father God, for every person who's come forward today, God, you know the areas of their life that they're pointing out. God, for some of them, it's been been perhaps even decades that you have been slowly working on their lives to bring them to this point today. And God, I ask that you would move in holiness in our lives. Let us represent you well to this world around us. God, you've called us to be holy, which is separated from, but God, also that tension that we are to be influencers within this culture around us. God, we are not to blend. We are to be countercultural to this world. God, help us to do it. And Lord, the only way that that happens, I believe, according to your word, is that we are holy. And so God, in that separation from the world, help us to be a part of this world in giving an answer that is found only in solely in the cross of Jesus Christ, the God who gave his life for us, but is no longer dead. That tomb is empty And God, we are so grateful for the life that you give us. And so, Jesus, we invite you to live that resurrected life within each one of us, that holy, resurrected life. And God, together we commit to you our lives. We commit to you, Lord, this church body, this congregation. God, the influence that we have in the culture and the city around us, God, Lord, I ask that that would extend uh, not just from this church building, but God, every home represented by Life Church Utah. That God, we would live holy lives to make Your name holy in our in our homes, Your name holy in our neighborhoods, Your name holy in our workplaces, and God, You would be honored and glorified in everything that we do and say. Father, I pray Your blessing upon Your people. And God, in this uh, very simple response time today. God, we are humbly before you, asking that you would respond to our imperfect prayers and that, God, you would make us holy. Lord, we love you this day. God, I thank you for the work that you are doing among us and that, God, continue to do that work. Let it not stop here today, but, God, let it extend in powerful and holy ways in our life. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Our God is a holy God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So, folks, as we leave from here, it doesn't stop here. If it stops here, then this was kind of meaningless, right? And so when we leave from here, uh, let it start as you walk up and jostle against one another, as you walk into your, your chairs, and then you get your stuff, and you head to the parking lot, let holiness reign in your lives. And remember that when you're going out to eat or you're eating at home, let holiness reign in your life. When you go to work tomorrow, let holiness reign in your life. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Our God is a good God. Amen. Bless you.